this is gonna be the best book you ever read. Like, this is your new favorite book. Off the internet, man. I need to go be introverted. <laughs> Welcome. To <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Books in the City. I'm Libby. I'm Emily. I'm Becky. And I'm Kayla. Yay. Ooh. We're back together. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Back to our regularly scheduled program. Um, Kayla, how you doing? <laughs> better now what's so wild to me is that on the last episode we recorded i had covid at the time and didn't know oh wow i even like told you i was oh, like true. oh i feel like yeah. i like kind of am getting a cold yeah it wasn't a cold but i'm doing much better and i feel like i spoke to so many of our listeners on instagram through my whole like quarantine so if you were one of them thank you so much and everyone I don't even know where I got it, so stay in as much as you can and wear a mask and scrub your hands. Well, for those who weren't on your Instagram, you were saying that you felt like your symptoms were kind of cold and flu-like, like you had a cough, right? Yeah, so on the Monday and Tuesday of the first week, work week of the new year, I was super, super tired, but I think everyone was tired that week. So I didn't think anything of it. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I feel like I'm starting to get a cold. Like, you know, you get like that, like tickle. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like I've always feel like this in the winter. And I was so run down from like my Christmas vacation. And then I was like, I'm just going to be, I thought I was being dramatic and vigilant. And I got a test just to be sure. And I was I've never been so shocked in my life that it came back positive, but it did. And then it kind of progressed from there. I definitely had a mild case of it. But if you feel like you have a winter cold, like I'm telling everybody I know this, go get a test because that's everything I felt before I got tested were things that I feel every year at this time. Wow. I never would have thought it was COVID. I know that in different states, it might be more or less mm -hmm. accessible to get tested. But I was glad that you knew because then people you interacted with were able to quickly understand if they had COVID or if they didn't or if they were exposed to COVID or if they weren't because then that makes all the difference for people you would have interacted with so yeah because I also wasn't like I feel like a lot of people who end up getting diagnosed with it it's like oh I was with someone and now I got a text that they're positive like that didn't happen to me I had to kind of figure it out on my own so yeah, everyone just like so stay scary. healthy and listen to your body. My Apple Watch is reminding me to breathe. Yay. <laughs> well, we're glad that you're feeling better, <laughs> Kayla. Yeah. Thanks. Glad you're taking care of yourself and that you were proactive about your case. Yeah. yeah. My 2021 health journey did not start out the way I thought it would. <laughs> but we'll get back on track. It's only up from here. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a few announcements to make, I think. So those tarot cards, I'm sure everyone remembers the tarot cards that we launched last fall around Halloween. They're like the most stunning gold foil, four color. Just kidding. I don't know the design terms, <laughs> but they're really beautiful. Soft touch. Pantone like, 180 or whatever. Yeah. Let me drop all of the color terms. Um, I have one like framed on my wall. They're so beautiful. But Which one? very exciting um the book cart yeah I love that I don't know I love that one <laughs> I love them all but yeah we restocked a very 
limited amount of those tarot cards. So if you had your eye on them in the first round and they did sell out, now's your chance. They are back up on the website in our merch store. It's always linked in the show notes, but get yourself some beautiful bookish tarot cards. Also, we notice in the new year some new fan club members have joined us and some new followers on instagram so if you're new to the books in the city family hey yeah hey, how you doing uh thanks for joining if you're new here we're excited yeah. thanks for being here yeah and if you've never listened to one of our episodes before welcome <laughs> if this is your first one we're we, four friends we're always this awkward <laughs> yeah and um, uh, you, we're going to talk about books soon, but right now we're just chatting about other things. So, yeah, get ready. If you took the glacier approach or the iceberg approach to this podcast and you're starting at the top, but we're a deep, deep, we're more deep below the ocean <laughs> than we are on the top. That was a perfect metaphor. I have no idea what you're talking about. That was a really good, a really good metaphor. <laughs> it landed on every phase. I can tell. We have a lot going on under the surface. <laughs> we're not like normal girls. We're strawberry we're girls. We're iceberg like other girls. girls. We are Titanic ready girl. <laughs> We oh. are the Titanic iceberg. I hope not. We're coming for your God. I'm confused. I got lost. <laughs> oh, God, I have yeah. no idea what's going on. All I'm trying to say is if you're new here, we're four <laughs> friends. We met in a book club and now we have a podcast and we're going to talk about some stuff and then we're going to talk about books. And that's all you need to know. You'll be ready to and go. Thanks. Yes. Thanks for joining us. So thanks for joining us on this journey. Thank you for um, joining our fan club. If you have um, signed up for that we have some exciting things coming in the pipeline including our first official fan club exclusive book club pick um, <laughs> and um this selection will be the x talk by rachel lynn solomon so meta so meta it is it's about podcasting and romance, which are it's two of my favorite things. It's enemies to lovers, right? It's enemies to lovers. Hell it's yeah. fake relationship. Ooh. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's uh they have she has a dog named Steve. Oh <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm Steve the dog. <laughs> Steve Rogers is her twelve. Emily's like, here are the here are the important <laughs> things you need to know. It's em- enemies to lovers. It's fake relationship. There's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I just I read that off. and I was like <laughs> these are my people. Um I couldn't even Yes. See. I think there's fun <laughs> it was a fun read i was excited to come home and read it um oh. and it's well so we should announce that its publication date is um january 26th so this is a fairly Tomorrow. new release yes and uh be sure to grab your copy and read along with us yeah we'll be announcing the info on patreon very very soon so order it now and We'll chat later. <laughs> Get on it. Get ready for Steve the Dog. Steve Rogers. <laughs> Goldstein. Oh, wow. Um, hey, Emily, do you, do you have the fishbowl? Yes. And on an unrelated note, I am almost considering buying a real fish tank 
for like oh. a real fish. What are you talking about? It, there is a real fish tank. Oh, yeah. yeah. Are you going to get fish? I'm thinking about getting a beta fish, and I want to name Whoa. him Beta O'Rourke. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's oh, amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway. I, I love that. I, I All the fish I already have. Anyways, I do have the fishbowl. <laughs> so you have so much enthusiasm for the fishbowl today. <laughs> I got it. It's my sugar and spice red wine. It's really mellowing me out. There's oh. a map of the world on it. Um, okay. <laughs> anyways, I have the fish, and <laughs> my mind is in a different place because this fish has me thinking about escapism, and it wants to know what is your dream vacation. Ooh, I have an answer. Any, anywhere. Becky, go first. Okay, my dream vacation. It, it requires some uh, some things that I need to learn first, but my I've always wanted to learn how to sail, and I'm planning on doing that once the weather gets warm. I'm going to take sailing lessons, but my dream vacation is to take a sailing trip in like the Mediterranean. Oh, oh my god! Like south of France, Italy, Spain, and like wow. I don't know for how long, but navigating the whole thing with you know whoever's with me, but me navigating and steering the you know. Boat. Oh my god! Wow, it's like that Zac Efron movie. I don't Charlie St. Cloud? Yeah, that one. <laughs> the saddest movie he's ever. He's in Minnesota. What? I don't know <laughs> if that has anything to do. Does it have no, I think he sails. Yeah, yeah, there's a boat in it, guys. Yeah, but he's in Minnesota. Isn't he sailing on like a lake? Minnesota, European, Mediterranean, same <laughs> difference. Wait, am I just saying that because of St. Cloud, Minnesota? I think it is. I, I th- thought it was like Mamma Mia. That's that's more like it. That's Ooh, more that. the vibe that's for sure. more like it. <laughs> I like that. That sounds like a dream. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to learn how to sail. And so mm-hmm. maybe eventually I can take you three with me on a little sail around Manhattan. Podcast we'll retreat. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody else have a dream vacation? Well, I already went on mine. Oh. What was it? My last trip before COVID was to go to London. And mm. I did like half of what I wanted to do because I was like, I wanted to do so much. But that was always my dream trip. I've since realized I go on vacations where I'm so busy the whole time. Like, yeah, I go to music festivals. I grew up going to Disney every year. Like, I don't go on a trip to relax. So my dream vacation would be like one week doing what I did when I went to London and like exploring and going to museums and like learning so much because I really do enjoy that. And then the second week would be like vacation from vacation on an island somewhere or I just like read and drink margaritas all day. Wait, so where's that dream? I'm I'm not married to any, I've never been like to any islands. So I'll I'll just go wherever there's a beach. And (laughs) can I craft a story for you? You spend a week in London or whatever. And then you go to the Love Island Villa in (laughs) Mallorca. Yeah, perfect. That's great. <laughs> you couple <laughs> up and you pull people for chat. I say a Casa more. <laughs> oh my god, uh, so yeah. relaxing, <laughs> so relaxing. I feel like I well, London was also my dream vacation, and I also went with my mom in fall of 2019. But while we were in London, my mom and I talked about like a yearly 
international trip that we would like try and plan and we so we didn't like pick oh. any place at that time but we like threw out some places so that's my dream <laughs> <laughs> any specific is it top uh, secret well i'm trying to remember like uh, where <laughs> we definitely talked about like at least five countries that we wanted to visit so your dream is really just like doing a yearly trip with your mom just an annual international trip yeah i love that yeah but i also really want to go to the grand canyon so that's just my solo dream i would love to road trip to the grand canyon in arizona like as we're talking about this there's so many trips that come to mind that i would love to do yeah i just remember that i've always wanted to go to hawaii (laughs) well there's an island (laughs) (laughs) or your beach (laughs) yeah i am trying to think because you know the summer of 2020 was supposed to be a big travel year for me i had two different conferences and really cool places i had never been to including hawaii and Lyon, france and it was gonna be like this big summer of adventure and my family has never really like been abroad and we were all gonna go and it was very exciting stuff so yeah i would have liked to go do those things but I've also been traveling a lot like mentally to locations I hadn't through books that I hadn't previously like thought about vacationing in because I talked about this when I read The Eighth Life like somewhere like Eastern Europe like Georgia the Baltics um so I was like ooh, maybe it would be cool to do like a Hungary you know like Croatia Mm -hmm. like Romania type thing um and then one of the books I read today and then or that I'll talk about today, and then another one took place in Nigeria, and I was like, I don't know, maybe it'd be cool to go to, like, Lagos, like, you know, visit West Africa. Truly, I would go anywhere. <laughs> um, I, never <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like you want to go all the places. Right. I never got to study abroad in my undergraduate, which is something I deeply regret so i've always wanted to be kind of a globe trotter and there's a lot of globe out there and should we (laughs) be able to travel again i would love to see a lot of it um should we talk about books we probably should yeah yes kayla Kayla? (laughs) get on up there yeah kayla you're up (laughs) kayla (laughs) that's like um are you there from snl like the gilly sketch gilly Gilly. (laughs) i love that sketch so anyway kayla what'd you read (laughs) (laughs) okay i read the wife upstairs by rachel hawkins quick shout out to our fan club on patreon because i didn't know which book i wanted to talk about so i gave them a few choices and they voted for this so this is for you guys i like i'm an idiot (laughs) i had no idea that this was a retelling of i don't even know how you say it jane Eyre. yeah (laughs) it is I, how else would you say it jane e Ray? <laughs> okay no need to be rude. i don't know um, no, yes, okay i've clearly never read <laughs> that <laughs> oh my god that's cool this makes me want to read it and i have no idea what it's about so now once i found that out i was like oh i wonder if some of the twists and reveals in this one wouldn't have been as shocking to people if you're familiar with Jane Eyre, because I like I don't know what that's about. Um, e Ray, 
Stop. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so a bully. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even say that. You you said that. Yeah. <laughs> um this is a thriller and thrillers are always kind of hard to talk about because I don't want to even hint on anything that'll give away the twists and reveals because this one had so many, like there's literally one on page 51 that I was like screaming and I was so mad I had to put the book down to watch The Bachelor at finale because I read this a few weeks ago. So, <laughs> so we start off with the main girl, Jane. I should have like clued me in. <laughs> and <laughs> she's in like her mid twenties. I think she was on like the younger side of it and she just moved to Birmingham Alabama sidebar this book being set there was actually really fun and like southern culture had a lot to do with it so it's clear that something has caused her to escape her past and like she's running from something and it's kind of briefly alluded Wait. to sorry is this modern like it's yeah set? yeah it's modern time yeah she's kind of always like hinting at it until the end when obviously everything blows up and unravels so she's completely broke she's crashing with this creepy guy that she knew from foster care so she starts dog walking in this prestigious neighborhood ca- called thornfield estates and the neighborhood reminded me the neighborhood is like an important part of it and it reminded me of desperate housewives but if they were like super super rich so that's like gossipy like women and like all that fun stuff so she like hates the women that she works for and I don't really blame her because they like really treat her like the help and as she's walking the dogs she spots this guy Eddie Rochester which I've also learned was something that should include me in (laughs) (laughs) and she like starts developing a crush on this guy so she ends up through like gossiping with the women of the neighborhood she learns that he's recently widowed and his wife B died in a boating accident along with her best friend and the best friend also lived in the neighborhood so it's like big okay I'm from your guys' faces I'm <laughs> he's a widow <laughs> yes so, their death was like a huge event for this community and it it isn't that long after and they're kind of all still dealing with it but because of like the culture of this neighborhood it's very gossipy and they're all kind of like ready to talk about how B and like I forgot the friend's name I'm sorry but like their friendship like it wasn't perfect like there were all these things under the surface like Jean is kind of like just getting hints of this so she like worms her way into Eddie's life and all of a sudden they're living together and they're dating and engaged and while she's living in the house there's pictures of B around and she becomes obsessed with her and like researching her life and like she doesn't fully step into B's life but she kind of starts morphing into her and like dressing the way she did and getting her hair cut the way she did as she's like learning more and more about B so we find out that B had like this rags to riches story she's like the owner of like this really popular like home decor line but her life like wasn't always perfect and slowly throughout the story like you find out all of her shit which was so interesting so one night the cops show up at the house and they're like there's more evidence about the boating accident and everything Jane thought she had obtained for herself like the security and the safety by being with Eddie and everything she thought about Eddie like slips away everything unravels and you find out that Eddie B and Jane are not who we thought 
that they were like for a lot of the book so all three of them are you like they're all like hiding shit mm. so that's all i'm gonna say about plot but what I loved about this was it seemed kind of like a back to the basics thriller. And this would have been a perfect beach read for me because the twists were so wild. Like you don't, you can't stop reading it, but it wasn't like, it was very linear and easy to follow what was going on. And like, it, it was just like, sometimes thrillers lately are like doing too much. And this one wasn't, it was like bare bones and it like, it worked at least for me. Cause I was like flipping out about some of the things some of them were a bit predictable, but I never saw the ending coming. I do this a lot with thrillers now, but I don't recommend going into this one trying to be a detective. Like, just read it and take it where it takes you. Don't try to, like, figure everything else out just because, like, this it's, like, wild, the things that... I keep saying that, but, like, it was just, like, wild. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, and yeah, and I mentioned before, like the Southern setting was really cool for this. And it was such a different vibe from what I usually read. And it was a really fun setting for a murder mystery because they're all like proper, like Southern ladies and gentlemen. And then they're like gossiping behind each other's backs about murder and like people potentially killing each other. And yeah, and it was five stars. I like the idea of like making Jane Eyre, like retelling it as a thriller because like it is a... I feel like it's like a mystery and like a gothic mystery, but I feel like probably setting it in the South and like in that neighborhood was how they kept like the gothic elements maybe, or I don't know. That's cool. I did not know that this book existed, but it sounds good. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not going to read Jane Eyre because we know how I am with classics, <laughs> but I think it would be fun for people who know that story. But like, I loved this book and I had no idea it was supposed to be retelling. Like it is a very strong standalone. Even the uh, title is a little on the nose for a Jane Eyre yeah. telling. Yeah, I also like found that out too. Yeah. <laughs> huh. yeah, and this was The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins. Becky, what did you read? I read Glimmer As You Can by Danielle Martin, and it came out in November of 2020. Before we get into it, just a content warning, alcoholism, death, and eating disorders. So... I am going to mention some things related to that, but I'm not going to get into it. Um, but just keep it in mind if you decide when you're deciding whether you want to pick up this book. This is historical fiction and it takes place in 1962, which is so interesting for me because I do graphic design for a hotel company and one of the hotels that I work on a lot, I'm not going to say which, um, it's themed around the year 1962. Oh. So oh. it was super interesting for me to like read a book that takes place during that time because it's such a specific year. I mean, a lot happened in 1962 in history, but like beside the point. Anyway, so it's in 1962 and it takes place in Brooklyn and it kind of follows like a rather large group of women who all frequent this social club and it's held in a dress shop called the Starlight. And the Starlight is this safe place for women to come and like read poetry out loud that they've written, dance, they have like themed nights, they drink, they listen to music, they play cards, and they just like have a community of like friends that they can just like trust and be with. And I kept thinking about how I really wish there was a place like that. And I know there are things mm -hmm. like the wing and whatever, mm -hmm. but this type of thing was like word of mouth, like you invited a friend to come and then they invited friends to come and then you made friends with somebody in the group and then they like you met their friends and just, you know, stuff like that. And 
It was free to whoever wanted to just come by. It wasn't like you had to pay a fee every month to be a part of it. So I don't know. It just sounded like a cool thing. Um, And the book kind of, it centers around the Starlight and that group, but it specifically follows three main women. We have Madeline, who runs the dress shop and the social club. She's separated from her husband, who's this, like, big deal in the Brooklyn, like, politics. Elaine, who's this English girl who is, like, an expat living in New York, and she really wants to become a journalist. She has been a fact checker before, but... I'll get into her a little more, but she really just wants to be an actual journalist, which wasn't something that like women really did very often at this time. And she's a regular at the Starlight with her sister. And then Lisa, who is a young Pan Am flight attendant, and she gave she really gave me Amy Adams in Catch Me If You Can vibes. And I know Amy Adams was the nurse and she was not a Pan Am flight attendant, but this character gave me that nurse character's vibes. Anyway. Not the TV show Pan Am. I don't I haven't seen that it's interesting so the book goes back and forth between these three women and you learn a lot about each girl and like their life and like what they're dealing with so it opens with Lisa and she lands at JFK and she was just like on a flight that she was working on so she lands at JFK and her she's waiting for her boyfriend outside um, and she hopes that this boyfriend is soon going to be her fiance. It's like her whole thing but he doesn't come to pick her up and he doesn't answer the phone and he doesn't call And so she gets a ride in a taxi and she happens to share the taxi with Elaine, one of the other three main girls. Lisa realizes along the ride that she doesn't have any money to pay for the cab. So Elaine covers it. And in that exchange, Lisa's like, give me your phone number so I can pay you back. And when she does finally call Elaine to pay her back, Elaine invites her to the starlight. And that's how Lisa gets involved. Can I just say, I feel like sharing cabs is a very big New York thing in like movies and stuff, but that doesn't happen. I feel like I've shared cabs with like strange acquaintances or like, but never a stranger. Like you flag them down at the same. Yeah, they're like, oh, we'll just share it. Like, oh, we're going, we're both going to Brooklyn. Great, same. Yeah, and then you like fall in love and get married. (laughs) Like that doesn't happen. Yeah, I've I've definitely. We're not falling in love and getting married, guys. Yeah, I'm taking my own Uber. (laughs) I know. I don't even do Uber pool. I mean, I don't think they have that anymore because of COVID. But before, I was so anti pool because I don't. People always blast music. (laughs) They're annoying. Anyway. Mm Back to the to 1962, though. In this book, I learned that Pan Am flight attendants, they have to retire at 32 or when they get what? engaged. Yeah, it was so sexist, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like not a good look. Um, and they had to do weigh-ins before so every single young. flight. What? If they weighed more than 130 pounds. I'm out. Oh, no. <laughs> I would have gotten fired. <laughs> so, I would have gotten hired. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't make uniforms above a certain size or something. That's true. So the thing is, is 1962 was like peak golden age of flight. So this is like flying was the most glamorous act like transportation you could do there. Like, it's crazy if you look into like they had knives and forks and glassware and you sat at an actual table on the flight to eat your dinner like crazy. And anyway, so I learned about this about specifically Pan Am that at least in this iteration of it in this novel, um, you have to retire at 32 or when you got engaged and you couldn't be more than 130 pounds and it sucks. 
Um, and Lisa's story definitely deals with her struggles with that and her struggles with the weigh-ins and desperately wanting to get married and get engaged and have that like reason be why you leave being a flight attendant rather than aging out. Like aging out is embarrassing for these girls. Her story kind of follows that as well as her crappy boyfriend that doesn't pick her up at the airport. And then in Elaine's section, you learn that she lives with her boyfriend and her sister And her boyfriend is an alcoholic. He treats her awful, expects that she just won't have a career and just exists to occupy his time. He's like rich. He doesn't have a job. He just lives off of his inheritance. And so she doesn't want to give up on her journalism dreams. And she's like afraid to say that to him because he's going to be like, well, what am I going to do all day? Um, And she gets a job interview at her dream newspaper and has to hide it from him. So that's kind of her storyline. And then the three women's stories come together at the starlight when Elaine does invite Lisa to stop by and you meet Madeline and Madeline, like I said, she owns the starlight and she like started the social club. Um, And she also has a sucky man in her life. That's kind of the theme of this book is sucky men. So like I said, he is in the political community of Brooklyn and he's therefore very powerful. Madeline caught him cheating in their home. He owned the shop that she like her shop owns the apartment and so in order for her to keep those things she had to pretend like she was still married to him go to all these political events acting like his wife even though they were living separately and he was like off with other women the whole time um and so that's kind of her thing and throughout the book like these three women become really close they become close with other members of the club a lot of a lot of crap happens drama with the men other things and then it threatens the future of the club both physically the location of the club and like the existence of it and so that's kind of what the book follows and I thought it was such an interesting look into what it was being a woman in different fields in different like life paths in the 60s and I feel like I definitely glamorize the past that's like almost my brand (laughs) and (laughs) this shows that it's not all glitz and glam and like I say all the time oh I would love to live in the 20s or like the 60s or whatever and like I I would like to visit those places and not live in those times because it was not all fun and games (laughs) um and this book really examines that so it, it also has a lot of tragedy there's like horrible deaths so just be aware of that going in but I thought it was really interesting is it like an optimistic ending or you can't say? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I would say it had an optimistic ending for sure. And it's it's really just like a story of like female friendship um, and how like that is going to be more important and long lasting in your life than sucky men. But also... Tale as old as time. <laughs> yeah, tale as old as time for sure. <laughs> but also, like I said, it's interesting to see what it was like in the 60s and like it was so scandalous that they had this social club. Um, where they went after hours and stayed late like oh my gosh how how dare so wild what till like 9 30 p.m oh no 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 (laughs) they would stay at the social club all night and like sleep there and leave in the morning oh yeah in a covid pandemic that that just hits different that like maybe immediately scurry no like like they would stay there till 4 a.m just having a great time like time got away from them and then they're like well might as well just pull a cot out from the back room instead of driving home or whatever oh, i would absolutely attend that then right yeah <laughs> what did so you rate how it? many stars oh <laughs> i gave it three stars um yeah yeah Which i like still it. a good rating 
It's a good rating. It's more than 50% of the stars. So Becky hated it. <laughs> no, I really no, liked I'm it. Kidding. I thought it was a good book. Um, it sounds good. It sounds intriguing and wanted to ask what the title meant. Oh, well, as a refresher, listeners, um, I just talked about Glimmer As You Can by Danielle Martin. And it's kind of, it's something that one of the characters says mm. in regard to like being able to be, you know, anything. <laughs> Like, you just glimmer as you can. Oh, that's cute. Huh. Emily, what did you read? I read The Death of Vivek Oji by Okoike Amezi. Another Okoike. Another one. And actually, those were the first lines of my notes in the words of DJ Khaled. Another one. <laughs> oh because God. Okoike Amezi just does it again. And at this point, I've read everything that they've written, and they've kind of been solidified in my all-time favorite authors list i just feel like every time i read their work i feel like i'm reading words that feel timeless i really feel like this author is gonna be one of those types of authors that we look back on and go wow this person has a really good grasp of what it was like to be a writer in 2020 and um that's kind of been exciting for me to to read the journey of their work because they're super gifted at this craft and many others i've spent a lot of time creeping on their instagram page and if you haven't looked give it a gander every caption is beautiful and they explain the way they interact with the world and it's very just like evocative and interesting akwake amezi has a very unique perspective on life and i feel like it comes across in in all of the work that they write. Yeah, like I said that I've I've read at this point everything that's been published and from creeping on their Instagram account, I know that they have several others in the pipeline. <gasps> there's they've a memoir, read, right? They've written There's I a memoir that. coming out soon and they said that they have written like eight books in eight years, so there's like several others coming out, and so there's probably like a book coming out every year for the next, you know, wow. near future, and I will absolutely read every single one of those. And what's striking is that the books that I've read so far are so broad in terms of genre and distinct, but cover like similar ground. I'm just amazed at the way that they genre bend, and it's just like. I feel like sometimes you read multiple works by a writer and they kind of hit that plateau where you kind of know like who you're reading. But based on the three novels I've read so far, everything is very distinct and it's so just in a word impressive. <laughs> and I'll kind of elaborate on how I would compare this book to the others in their discography <laughs> like their catalog, I think. <laughs> catalog. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, I read this as part of a buddy read experience in Bookstagram led by this account called The Reading Chemist. And she's a really fun follow. She always has buddy reads going on. She's also a book Wait, reading. Is she a scientist? She's a scientist. That's what I was <laughs> going to say. She already has her PhD in a hard science. And I'm immediately drawn to it. And she's in very passionate about it. hard science. I like yeah. that you said that. What to people that like me, they're all hard. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Same. Oh my god, I'm gonna get like dragged for saying hard stuff. But like I guess I don't know, like a physics, chemistry, biology, that type of thing. She reading as chemist, opposed to like, what would be soft. 
she's a chemist. You know what? We're not going to go down that road because I don't. Isn't soft like psychology or like. Maybe uh, social science. I don't know. Yeah, like different science. Bench. You know? Okay. The way I would say it is bench science. But sometimes when I say that, people get confused. Anyways. <laughs> I feel like I know. I've heard hard science before. Uh, um, she's a chemist. Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say she leads these great discussions and I was happy that I read this as part of a group reading experience because there was a particular aspect of this book that I really needed help processing my feelings about. I think on the author's part, it was intentional to kind of challenge your sensibilities with this plot point, but I really needed help discussing or processing like how I felt and I'm not gonna say what that is here but for those who have read it they'll probably understand what I've been alluding to it's basically about something very similar to the other books it focuses on trans life and how this character Vivekoji's family and friends fail to see Vivek for who they really are within their lifespan so the book opens up with the death of Vivek Oji and what happens is their family opens the door and they find Vivek wrapped in like a piece of cloth. They've lost a lot of blood and they're dead. And their mother is shocked, horrified. There's no note. We don't know how Vivek has passed away. There's no nothing on their body. And it's a very like somber experience. So then the book follows kind of the journey to discover how Vivek passed away and it weaves through kind of time and space leading up to the event solve it there's a little bit of a mystery to it because you don't really know what happened it feels like it's a murder maybe a hate crime and you get kind of all the answers to that later on the book is really kind of about the death of Vivek Oji but also about their family and their friends in how they viewed Vivek. So the frame of the story is that we don't get very much from Vivek's perspective. It's much more about the people who interacted with him during his lifetime. And specifically, a particular cousin, Osita, they grew up together, knew each other since they were young boys, and their journey and also, Vivek's mother is living in Nigeria, married to a Nigerian man, but she's from a foreign country, and she becomes friends with women who also have children and are married to Nigerian men who don't come from Nigeria, so they form a group called the Niger Wives, and they all have kids that are like a similar age, and they all hang out, and that was like a fun aspect of the novel, and that's where Vivek meets a lot of his friends is through this group of Niger wives. And I was reading a little bit of the acknowledgements, and I think that is loosely based on some of Akwaike Amezi's experience growing up in Nigeria. That was a fun thing to read about, like how you deal with the culture clash of not being raised Nigerian, because I think there's aspects of Nigerian culture that I wasn't familiar with that are definitely communicated here. This is a very like Nigerian book. It was part of what made it an interesting reading experience for me because there was a lot about the food and societal expectations. We're talking about queer lives and queer romance and trans people and in a lot of ways that's even less accessible than in the U.S. So it was a big aspect of the book was focusing on 
what it means to be queer in Nigeria, specifically the Ibu uh, tradition of a Nigerian life experience. So I felt like I learned a lot there. So yeah, and I will say compared to other types of books, it's a fast read, but it's pretty heavy. Like it kind of like sat on my heart because it is about grief and loss and specifically like fresh grief when you lose someone in such a sudden way a lot of the characters were still dealing with that like trying to find a reason for why this happened what they could have done wrong what they wanted to change and I felt like that really touches on heartstrings especially now in this pandemic world where so many have lost their friends or family very suddenly and you're kind of dealing with the immediate aftermath of that and I thought it was unique to switch through all these different perspectives on on how you you deal with the loss of or a loved one and how you could have interacted with them differently while they were alive. Another thing that I appreciate about this particular work was it covers trans representation in a way that isn't about the trans character, but rather like how everyone is dealing with Vivek's trans identity or non-binary identity. And that was unique to read about as well because it was people slowly realizing like parents or family members realizing that their failure to see like Vivek's true self, like how damaging that was. And the tragedy comes from the fact that there's nothing they can do about it because he's already passed like that's information that you've already heard and so it was a sad book but it was so well done and I want to spend the last like minute or so talking about how I would compare it to their other body of work because Freshwater was very like fairy tale meets memoir and Pet was very like YA social activism and this was a book about loss and grief and and very Nigerian but they all kind of touch on this theme of like living in the gray space, which I think is really hard to write about. I think a lot of authors will take a particular stance on a certain thing and make it very black or white, <laughs> very moralistic. And Akwege Mezi is excellent at characterizing the in-between zone. So I was thinking back on how Freshwater is kind of the in-between zone between like space and kind of like realm like different realms in identity because as I mentioned it was mythology basically and pet is the gray zones between what makes a good or a bad person and we all know that in society there's it's very hard to pick out a good or a bad person and this I mean for those who have read it you'll get what I'm alluding to but it's basically the gray areas between love and relationships and identity even the fact that you kind of want to put like trans is still almost like a box like people still want to define it I think Okweke Meze is really good at pushing back against you know even putting me in this box is not really understanding like who I am as a person just you know like I think we don't have to box people into these binary things because that's not where everybody lives and on top of that the writing is like poetic beautiful succinct and artistic and I was just like blown away by it I put it off for a little bit because I wasn't sure it would live up to my expectations because pet was a different journey from freshwater but I really recommend this it was a five-star read for me I somehow missed that this was by Akweke Meze 
because I see this book everywhere and I just never put it together until now. Yeah, it got picked up by a lot of book clubs and I'm I'm glad they're getting all this kind of mainstream attention. But yeah, I think they're a whole body of work. I've talked about every single book they've published so far on this podcast. I'll probably continue to do <laughs> That's so. why I was like, how did I miss that? <laughs> you have the number one fan right here. Imagine the memoir comes out and like Becky sneaks in and she's like, I'm talking about. I'd probably just talk over her and be like, oh, Becky, I think what you meant to say was evocative. (laughs) It's actually my turn to talk. I think you actually meant to say that this is the best book you ever read in your whole life. Um, How do you know I wouldn't say that? (laughs) Truly, I don't think many of you have actually read their work, but you might like it. You might be surprised that. Well, this book has know. been on my list. That's why I'm like, how did I miss that? Yeah, this book is put on it my together. shelf right now. I think yeah, that. at this point I have Freshwater and Pet, but I feel nervous. I, I don't know. They, I'm like, I have the fear of like the overhyped. Not that mm, I think yeah. it will be overhyped, but just in my own mind, like I need to wait till it's... Emily hyped it up to you. Good time. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I waited on this too. I bought this um, when it came out in... October this year but earlier in the fall and I didn't read it till you know last weekend in January 2021 so I think it's worth the hype and what book was that uh that was the death of Vivekoji by Koike Emese Libby what'd you read okay I read No Exit by Taylor Adams this came out in January 2018 so it's been out for a little bit oh Um, wow yeah. And it's funny. I worked at Morrow when this came out. I forgot like that this whole came. I feel like I read this book like 10 years ago. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Only three at the most. <laughs> yeah. So and I've I read this a couple weeks ago at this point, but I was home in Iowa for the holidays and um, I brought like classic like seven books home with me, you know, but I was at my parents and I was like, oh, I just am like not in the mood to read any of the seven books that I brought home like what should I do so I went through my mom's bookshelves and I've been in kind of a thriller mood for a while so I also knew that there was a big snowstorm being forecasted and I knew that this story literally revolves around like one night of a huge snowstorm so it really all fell into place and it was like the perfect timing And if you can read this on a night when like there's going to be six to 10 inches of snow, I really recommend it because it really sets the atmosphere (laughs) for the story. But definitely like before it gets warm again, I feel like this would be a... Yeah, this is like a winter read. Yeah. Does it take place in a snowstorm? Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. Snow is a very big part. Snow. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if if you've maybe seen the cover it's like this ominous empty highway with all of this like blizzard yeah coming into the headlights type of cover so the main character's name is darby she is an art student who's going to college uh in colorado but at the beginning of this book she's like rushing home to utah where her mom lives and she's hoping to catch her mom before she goes into surgery and her and her mom have kind of this rocky relationship and she said some things in the past that you know she regrets and like she really wants to be there for her mom prior to the surgery just in case like worst case scenario you know so 
she kind of makes this impulsive decision to like rush home and she does this on an afternoon before like a massive snowstorm that's hitting Colorado. So she's in this like shitty Toyota Camry type car and she's trying to beat the snowstorm and she doesn't quite make it out of Colorado before the blizzard like forces her to stop. So she gets trapped at this rest stop, which is pretty far from like any civilization. It's far from her campus. She doesn't have any service, of course. And it's like really snowing at this point. So that's like kind of where the whole book kicks off. And it also takes place over the course of a single night. Like it's a it's one night, which I I've read books, you know, that are like over a weekend or something, but I couldn't remember any book that I'd read that was like a day. So that was a fun, like different experience and fun for the thriller genre. I feel It like. added so much more suspense too. Yeah. Like I'll talk about this later a little bit, but it's broken up into like dusk, you know, and then like midnight and there's all these like sections, but they're just breaking this night up. And so you're just, it's like keeps the the suspense like really building so darby she's trapped at this rest stop of course she doesn't have cell service um of course she doesn't have her charger because she left on a whim and you know just like didn't even really eat lunch and just like took off because she wanted to get back to utah she gets to this rest stop and there are four other people there when she arrives and they're also trapped and everyone seems like weird but normal enough like you know she doesn't walk in and immediately is like I'm gonna be murdered tonight but she's like okay this is an annoying group of people that I'm stuck with and I just want to get home shortly after she arrives she goes outside to try and get a signal and she kind of does this cursory walk around the parking lot of the rest stop so there's her car and she thinks three other cars, which seems to line she up. She thinks? Yeah, which seems to line up with, you know, her understanding of the people there because she thinks two of the people at the rest stop are a couple and then there's two other cars, you know. She's walking around the parking lot, just like assessing the situation. And there's this van that she's parked right next to. And no. hard pass. It's Vans a van. are no go. Yeah, that's all I need to say. What if that was where I stopped? <laughs> It was a white van. <laughs> was Ted Bundy driving it? So it was a van, and it was a five star read, guys. And it was five stars for me. <laughs> um, so she's walking Were there between hooks? her. Ted Bundy drove a VW Bug. Enough! It's That's not Ted true. Bundy at this rest stop. <laughs> <laughs> so she's walking through between her car and the van, and she just kind of like glances in, and she happens to see a little child's hand in. Nope. The back, like through the window. And she's like, no, thank you. Did I really just see that? And she looks closer. And yes, it looks like there is a little child in the way back of this massive van coming from this like sort. I pictured it like a dog kennel, like a wire dog kennel situation. Yeah. So the hand disappears. She's like, well, fuck, I'm just this art student and I have to save a child and like, I guess, solve a crime like in a snowstorm. And I just want to get back to my mom. So her new mission kind of almost immediately, like she definitely has a I wouldn't call it a savior complex, but she like as a character, she has this sort of like, you know, like I have to make the right decision. I have to save this child. I can't just like 
turn a blind eye, mm. which I respect, you know. I'd be a little like, I'm not going to lie, a little conflicted on the... You would leave? <laughs> really? No, I would not leave. No, but, you know, like, that's the thing with most people who are bystanders. Yeah. It's, there's, like, more conflict internally, I would think, about is this weird am i crazy or is this mm-hmm. a weird situation no you're right so she cl- clearly made the right decision yeah she's a i think a good person overall me not so much <laughs> so yeah so she's freaking out she's like oh my god like okay here we go so she makes it her mission to like first figure out who owns this van she obviously realizes like she's dealing with some type of like most likely sociopathic kidnapper so she's trying to be subtle but she's just like returns to the rest stop and is just trying to like get a fresh lay of the land and figure out how she can save this kid I'm not really gonna say much more because obviously like the book as you can imagine just like really takes off from there there's so many twists and turns you know like her first impressions of the people are not completely accurate there might be like alliances forming she's not sure who she can trust I'm it's like very twisty turny and like fun to see what could possibly happen next that's kind of I feel like that's all I'm really gonna say I was completely on the edge of my seat the whole book I think I read it in a day in that day that there was the snowstorm in Iowa and I didn't really see the twist coming so that was like a fun bonus also I went into this knowing that it was a thriller and not to group all thrillers together but I feel like you kind of go into this genre with like some suspended disbelief a little bit like things in this book happened that like would never happen in real life but obviously like it's a fiction book about like a kidnapping snowstorm situation so yeah I don't know that was like my one critique I guess is just like some unrealistic things okay I put this in my notes because this actually really did like take me out of the story when I was reading it there was a moment where Darby the main character is like you know you're in her head the whole time and she's not the whole time sorry you switch perspectives but majority of the book you're in her head and at one point she was like oh like I I don't know anything about guns I'm not sure like how helpful I'm going to be in this situation and then she like two paragraphs later is like I saw his Glock 13 and I knew that that was a 10 cartridge magazine I was like Hmm. well I thought like I'm sorry what do you know about (laughs) guns or do you not so I couldn't even tell you what a yeah, Glock looks I, like. I feel I like I probably just butchered that because I don't know about guns. Is that a type of cheat? But like, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's just like things like that that I feel like I've come up against that in other thrillers before. Again, not to like generalize, but that's just something like, you know, suspended disbelief is like a little important, I think, going into a book like this. Overall, it was so much fun to read and like so well paced and the action was so wild and uh, you know there wasn't like a single moment where I was like okay like move on it was just constantly like propelling forward which is what I was really craving when I was looking for a thriller so yeah it really scratched that itch it was wonderful and intense and like also I can't really talk about this specifically but the villainous characters in the book are really creepy and like you kind of get in their heads Mm -hmm. and it's just like a it was a 
experience like reading from their perspective it's just like creep so well done what did you rate it i gave it four stars and i think uh i think somebody said that taylor adams has another book coming out this summer maybe so i feel like i'm definitely going to continue checking out his work because it was really fun to read was this a movie? I was just going to say, I think the rights <gasps> were sold like I shortly after that. it came out because this was like everywhere on Bookstagram when it came out. But I guess like, oh, I don't wow. know if anything's happened, but this is one of the most, probably the most cinematic thriller I've ever read. Like the whole time I was like, every time I read it, I feel like I'm watching a movie in my head, but this was different. Like yeah. I got the feelings I get when watching like a spooky movie. Well, and you get like the, the bottle episode type feeling because you're trapped you know like Mm -hmm. everyone is trapped nobody has service nobody can leave because there's 14 feet of snow like you know your feet I am exaggerating obviously (laughs) but you go into it like knowing kind of what you sign up for and so it creates this element of like okay well not everyone's getting out of here alive and like up until the very last page like literally the last sentence I was like still there were twists it pulls off these sneaky little twists like throughout so well and like just it really kept me reading and kept me like enjoying it but that's I would definitely watch this if it was a movie that's so cool oh Lars as a I've like thought about this book every time I've gone to a rest stop since oh god (laughs) (laughs) scary and what was this book uh it was No Exit by Taylor Adams and what's next for you? Um, I want to read Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. Speaking of... That's oh, another one old. that's been on my shelf for a really long time. I actually think these two books are right next to each other on my shelves. Oh, hey. Oh, wow. I literally know nothing about it except I think there's like timeline talk, like alternate timelines, which I'm obsessed with there is. that theory. So, Kayla, what are you reading next? Um, I'm going to read Before She Disappeared by Lisa Gardner. Emily? So, I want to read The Interpreter of Maladies by Jhumpa Lahiri. Mm. Becky, what are you reading next? I am going to read Jackie and Maria by Jill Paul. I'm excited to hear what you think of that because I've owned that for a while. I'm going to do a buddy read with my aunt. Oh, so cute. Yay. Should be fun. Where can you be found online, Emily? I'm at the Lazy Library. Libby? I'm at Sleep, Run, Read, Repeat. I'm at Becky in the Bookshelves. I'm at KRedWhat, and you can find all of us at Books in the City Pod. Make sure you're using our hashtag, My Books in the City, whenever you're posting something we inspired you to read or our merch. Make sure you're following on Twitter at BATC Pod. We have a Facebook page. I'm going to post to it this week. <laughs> Please make sure you're subscribed or following or whatever you have to do on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Leave us like a nice little rating or review. Buy some merch. <laughs> join the fan club. <laughs> I think that's it. Should they leave us an emoji? Oh, yeah. All right. Leave us emojis of your dream vacation and we'll try Ooh. to guess where you want to go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to our Carrie level producers Diane Worth, Riley Harrell, Carrie Kissinger, Kat Martin, Brenna Collins, Amanda Borgia, Elizabeth Jamka, and Susie Southwick. Thanks for, Thanks for listening. Happy. Happy day. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Happy no day. <laughs> <laughs>